Hey everyone, welcome to the Bold and Brazen podcast. It's me, Mary Ann Stewart. I'm your host, and I want to thank you for joining me. It's great to have you here. Hey everyone, it's Mary Ann, two names, no E. And I'm here to tell you that today's episode of the Bold and Brazen podcast is brought to you by My Optin. That's right, My Optin. It's a free five-day challenge that takes a gentle look at our fall wardrobe and gets us thinking about how we can make better choices for ourselves and for the environment. There are no purity tests here and no judgment on my end. The offer is really just to help us. I think there's a lot out there, um, you know, synthetic versus natural fibers. Uh, There's so much that has to do with climate crisis. And we really need to be much more aware of the choices that we make in so many places of our lives. But I thought that with fall coming in, uh, in this week of September 21st through September 25th, that it would be a really good time for us to get together for a half an hour each day, Monday through Friday, September 21st to Friday, September 25th, from 7 o'clock at night to 7.30 to take a look and really consider how we could make better choices for the environment. You can find the link at my website, www.freshcircle.com, and it should come right up on the homepage. It should be right there. Uh, You'll see up in the nav bar, there's also a link for um, the fall eco fashion five day. You can click on that, but uh, it'll come right up. And if you're on Instagram, you can just find it right there in my bio in the um, Instagram website right there. It's the first page there too. So please join me. I'd love to have you. It'd be so, it's always so much more fun when there are more people involved. So please join me for the five day fall eco fashion challenge and thanks a lot hey everyone thanks again for joining me for the bold and brazen podcast it's mary ann and i'm really glad that you're here I am sitting in Lincoln, Massachusetts. It's a few miles from Lexington uh, where I live. And I've come here because there's been ongoing construction right next door to my house for the last, uh, well, since mid-May. And um, I was going to record in my studio, but it really uh, was just too hard to hear. So I hopped in the car and found a pretty spot, one of my favorite spots. Um, and so that's where I'm coming to you from. So I hope you're having a wonderful day whenever you happen to be listening to this. Um, I started this podcast, Bold and Brazen, uh, because I really just wanted to start talking about the environment and it's, um, the way that we interact with the environment through mm, our clothing and, um, the economy and education and history and there's a lot to say about it. Uh, and I wanted to start this episode with uh, just a little background about the name of the podcast uh, and a little bit about me because um, 
you should know a little something about me. So uh, my my bio on Instagram at Fresh Circle, which is F-R-E-S-H-C-E-R-C-L-E, is uh, it says a little bit there. And then there's an Insta website there also when you click on the link. And that will tell you a bit about me. But I'm, I make a lot of different things and I teach what I know. And I started a, a little business, um, put it up on Etsy. It's a little refashioning, uh, refashioned clothing for children age five and under. I had this idea. I had a dream about the, these little dresses that were um, recycled, refashioned from menswear clothing. And so I spent some time this past January, February, and March of 2020, six weeks uh, down in my mother-in-law's house to to get these ideas out of my head and finally made into fabric. So that's what I did, came back, and then COVID. And I was going to take this year to see if I could test out my creative ideas and if it would be a business. I was going to be at the farmer's market and sort of do a lot of beta testing around my um, my neighborhood, my, my region. I had some ideas and things, but um, I've had to shift a lot of those things. And one of the things that I did do was take a course with Kathy Heller called Made to Do This. And it was 12 weeks. It started at the end of May and it just wrapped up a couple of weeks ago in the middle of August. And that course had just the right amount of structure for me to, uh, you know, it challenged me uh, to learn some new things, to uh, use some new tools and to think about, since I have these products in a shop, to think differently about experiences and things like that. So um, anyway, podcasting is something that we were all encouraged to do. And in fact, it was a homework assignment in July. And I jumped right in and just started babbling away and iterating away. And it was kind of like a third rail uh, because it was very powerful for me and I loved it, but I felt like I needed to regroup a little bit and think differently about what I wanted to say or how I wanted to say it. So I'm coming at you. I'm unscripted here. I'm um, uh, wanting to just get started and I don't know where I'll end up, but um, to say that, let's see, where I started, you know, my whole life, uh, my mom was a sewing, was a sewist and a designer, and she was really uh, gifted and very talented. And she taught all of us, I'm the eldest of seven, and she taught all the girls how to sew and knit and crochet. And I really took to it. I loved it. And um, although I have to admit that knitting and crochet didn't really take immediately until, uh, you know, I had several attempts at it uh, again in middle school and again in high school and again in college and again after my I had my own children. And that's when it really finally stuck. And so I've been designing uh, toys and clothing and you know, knitted things for a long time now. And um, just always kind of felt that it was a good hobby to have. When my husband Duncan and I got married and then had our children. Um, I 
I, when that all happened, I was a performer in the Boston area, um, sang in a lot of elite groups uh, and elite choruses and different places in, in Boston and around Boston. And um, after they got into, once they got into the elementary schools, the public schools, I really started paying attention to um, the issues that were coming up in the schools, public schools, and I felt that, well, the school, all the schools were run by the parent group that was, um, that was there was the Parent Teacher Association, which is a national affiliate of, you know, the, the PTA, so it was a local PTA, and um, they were very, I joined because I just wanted to get to know my kids teachers and their you know other families and they put out a directory every year and that was a good way to stay connected but what I began to see was that they were really engaged in issues that were coming up um, like commercialism in schools and junk food bills and phys time in physical education and um, I cared about these things a lot and found myself giving public testimony at the state house in Boston um, and really just using my voice to advocate for children who had no say in the matter, frankly, right? They're not, they weren't voters. So I, uh, little by little, started to do more and more of this uh, locally as well and ran for town meeting, was elected to town meeting in 2006. Um, and eventually, well, I just have to say that, you know, I was encouraged to join the PTA many times uh, on the executive board and stuff and be an officer and things. And I just felt like it was uh, something that you needed to be really strong for, you know, had to be a good fundraiser to be on the board. And I didn't care to do the fundraising and I didn't think I was very good at it either. Uh, but finally, I guess in the middle 2000s, um, I realized I could see that um, so much of what was happening with that group was more about building community. And it really wasn't about fundraising. It was really about building community. And so I actively took on roles there at the, at the elementary school with my kids' classes and eventually with the whole school and just kind of ran with my art ideas and did a whole collaborative art project with every classroom all 19 classrooms at the school um, where they collaborative created collaboratively created art projects that I uh, designed and then we had them professionally framed and then they were auctioned off it raised a lot of money for the school so that was like a really good way for me to to help with the fundraising and it really lit me up to do that I loved that that was fun um, and so over the years more and more and as I said I continue to use my voice uh, locally and at the state level to raise issues in, you know, before the legislators and talk about the things that really impacted our communities and our families and our kids. Eventually, uh, you know, I did run for uh, the local PTA and I was on the site council. I was on the school uh, uh, elected to the school committee. That's what we call school boards in New England. 
I was elected twice to the school committee. I was on the state PTA board and was the state president of the PTA and also really cared about advocacy at the federal level. And from 2006 to 2015, every year I went to Washington, D.C. to meet with our congressional delegation and raise issues um, with them. So with Senator Kennedy and Senator John Kerry and Senator Elizabeth Warren and even Scott Brown for the time that he was there um, and with Ed Markey. And so um, really got to know our our senators and congresspeople, Jim McGovern um, and um, a lot of the delegation that were contiguous to me, not all, not all, there were 10 at one time, and now there are nine congressional uh, people. And so when things started to shift after 2012, um, I was, had been elected to the school committee twice by then, and there was a shift in um, when Ted Kennedy had died and they, and stepped down as senator, and then they there was an election, of course, and then Scott Brown won, and then it started being a um, what we call a chess, uh, a, a game of chess, um, and the various people who were interested in running to uh, get Democrats elected at all levels and to um, get a more progressive agenda happening with our delegation. Uh, Elizabeth Warren was elected, and then that started a whole, you know, chain of events. So Elizabeth Warren, and then John Kerry had been um, appointed Secretary of State by President Obama, and the congressman at the time, Ed Markey, had said he would run for that seat after, you know, once uh, John Kerry stepped down. And so there was a whole chain of events and everybody in Massachusetts was thinking about running for some position somewhere. And, you know, it, it, it you had to think about it. It was in everybody's mind because there are a lot of um, seats and um, uh, political things in play. And everybody thought about it, including me. I thought about it. And by this time, I had, a you know, a good little list of people who were following me. I had a good core people on Twitter and Facebook and I uh, had a little email list as well. And I had a mentor, some, somebody who really um, seemed to be very supportive of seeing me in public office and public more in public life. And so I think more at a state level kind of role. But of course, I was thinking about this congressional seat. So I had a conversation with about 400 of my best friends, which is what you do when you run for a congressional role. And um, just to let people know that I was thinking about running for the congressional seat if, you know, if in fact uh, Ed Markey chose to run for state Senate, for the United States Senate. And the response that I received from some people was pretty amazing. Um, a lot of people were supportive and were like, wow, I've never done anything. I'm going to help you. I love it. I love this idea. Um, and then some people who, including my mentor, who was just so taken aback, couldn't imagine that I would even think such a thing. And I remember when I said, you know, I'm thinking of running. He said, well, there was a pause. And then, well that's a bold and brazen thing for you to do. 
and it wasn't meant as a compliment at all. Um, and of course it pissed me off because everybody was thinking about running for a seat. You know, who is anybody not to think about doing that? I mean, it's your right. It, we live in a country where everybody has the right to think about these things and not only think about them, but actually do the running. So, uh, there's a lot that I can unpack here, but I'm going to keep going for a little bit on this piece. So I, I tested the waters for a good six to eight weeks. I can't remember exactly how long now and really came to the conclusion. It wasn't viable. I had somebody who was really rooting for me to do this and really helped me out. And we really did a good job of vetting the process and I felt good about it. And that's what you do. You don't just say, no, you know, you can't do it. No. What are you doing? You have no, you know, don't try to put a person down. If you don't want to support them, fine, don't do it. But if, you know, don't tell them they can't do it because that's only going to give fire to their purpose, which is eventually what happened. Now, I had taken a, a program called Emerge, and there's a lot of Emerge programs across the country. And this is Emerge, Massachusetts. They're in a lot of states. And I took this, I was part of the class of 2011 and we considered all kinds of things. For six months, we trained on all areas of running a campaign. So, uh, you know, every weekend, once a month, we had one long weekend where we spent time on, you know, uh, developing a campaign, developing a palm card, developing your materials, also talking about strategy, door knocking, um, meeting people in across the state who had success in various things. So there was, it was like a, there were master classes as well as real hands-on opportunities with other women. This was a program just for women, democratic women. And so we built a little network and helped each other when the time came to run for political office, whether it's town meeting or school committee or <clears throat> a registrar of deeds or uh, for the state legislature, state rep, state senate. And so I did identify at that time that I would run for state representative or state senate. I really wanted to be in the state senate, um, and I thought that would be fantastic. But, you know, those opportunities come up very few and far between. And it was April of 2017 when uh, my state senator... Um, died of brain of a brain cancer, brain tumor, and uh, he had had you know an episode about five months, six months before, and uh, we knew that that's or that's when it came to light that he had brain cancer. Um, it was in April then that he did die, and then that suddenly left a seat wide open for a state Senate race, the same thing happens. You know, when a seat opens up in the state Senate, everybody around that, in that Senate district, considers the run, considers a run for the state Senate. That is what you do. And so the, the state representative, the, the, you know, in the House of Representatives, uh, for a couple of the, um, the one nearest me, but then also a couple of, you know, other uh, state reps in the Senate district were thinking about it, as were many other people, including the chief of staff for uh, the deceased state senator. 
And I was thinking of it too, because as I said, these seats just don't open up very often and you have to jump in. And, you know, I was, I was an elected school committee member. I had been, but then I was, had been appointed by Governor Deval Patrick to serve on the state board of education at, by then. And I announced that I was also going to run now for the state Senate. So there was one representative, um, in a town next to me who said he was going to run for the state Senate, the chief of staff, a woman who worked for the state Senator for some years and myself. Um, and when I announced that I was running, I got so many phone calls. And again, from this person who's supposed to be my mentor, who was like, I'm calling to encourage you to get out of the race because you are a spoiler. And I was this was 2017, April of 2017, just a couple of months after we had, you know, elected, people had elected um, the so-called president and had been inaugurated. And uh, I was like, no, we're not doing that anymore. You know, I have every right to run and, you know, maybe I do lose, but I'm going to give it my best effort. And I did. And I did lose. It was a special election. It only ran for three months. Uh, there was a primary in June. And I knocked over 400 doors, which, of course, isn't enough. You need a ton. And you need a ton of money. Sadly, it's all about the money. But that's how you communicate with a lot of people. Um, but everybody that I knocked doors on uh, supported me. I had, over, I had almost every um, number of doors that I knocked, I got votes. So interesting. Um, then at the end of that year, at the end of 2017, my own state representative announced that he was stepping down after 24 years. So he'd had a whole career, had raised his family and put his sons through college and school, and now he was stepping down. And he had not had a challenger for 12 years when he stepped down. And, um, you know, pretty amazing. I don't know that we'll see those kinds of numbers again. But in any case, he stepped down in November and I announced that I was running for state rep along with four other people, four other Democrats who were running. And it was a hard fought campaign. We ran we ran until September of 2018. And I just tell you the the it you know, you all kinds of uh candidate questionnaires, candidate nights, uh, opportunities to meet with people, coffees, um, you know, meet and greets, really getting out there, getting to know people. And again, you do have to raise a good amount of money, which we hit all of our goals. We did everything we were supposed to. We did awesome, um, except get the final uh, prize. But what ended up happening was at the end of that uh, campaign, Everything I cared about, the values that I had, had really driven me to just be as vocal as I could about the economy, about the environment, about renewable energy, about health care and uh, housing and civil rights and racial justice and everything I could possibly say I had said. I had left it all out on the field. And when the race was done, I was spent. I had said everything there was nothing left and I didn't win. And the weird thing was that I just didn't know 
how to say those things anymore. I still cared about all those issues. I still, you know, they were still tied to my values, but I just couldn't, um, I just couldn't talk about them in the same way anymore. So I took a little time off right away in September and October. I went out and took a trip to visit my family mostly and my good friends down in Virginia. And then I came home after a couple of weeks. And then I decided right about October, November, our son who lives in Colorado asked me to bring him some art. Uh, or he asked, he asked if we could send him some art for Christmas. And I was like, we'll send you art, but I'm going to bring it to you. I'm not, and we're not sending it for Christmas. I'll just bring it to you in the spring when the weather's better. So I planned a trip in April of 2019. And between, you know, between getting back from my short trip, I really thought, what am I doing next? What am I going to do next? I just don't know. I started looking at lace making and painting and knitting and I really started knitting up um, a, a fierce uh, series of socks for Christmas for my family. I did a whole bunch of knitting and sewing and sweaters and socks and hats and scarves. I don't know. I was a little bit manic and it was great. <laughs> and then in April I took a five-week trip by car all the way down the East Coast, stopping at friends and family along the way. My husband met me in New Orleans. We spent a long weekend there, which was really fun. I hadn't done that before, hadn't been there before. I wouldn't even, hadn't thought of going there until he suggested that we, that he meet me there. So that was cool. And then um, came back up through Texas to visit some friends across through Texas and up to New Mexico and into Colorado and stayed and visited our son for about five days, visited um, some beautiful sites out there, and then made my way back across coming through um, Memphis and Nashville and Knoxville, and then stopping in Richmond, Virginia, and then making my way back north, back home. Um, and in the course of that, I really cleared my head, honestly. I didn't think about politics. I built a super long playlist as I was going along listening to Spotify and just started adding tracks as I went. So I, I got that and I had some really good days of, I stayed in a couple of boutique hotels, but I also stayed in some rest areas and I stayed with friends, as I said, and family. And when I got back home, I decided that I was going to try and um, make a go of, I knew I had this idea to make a go of the creativity and try and make a business of it. So I started clearing out rooms upstairs and making a studio space and things like that. And um, as I said, and then in December, I launched, decided that I was, that's it. I'm launching it in 2020. And so now I've come back full circle here. Um, and that's where, that's where I am. That's what I've done. And now I, when I was in South Carolina staying with my mother-in-law from the end of January to the beginning of March, before the pandemic locked us in, before COVID hit and everybody just had to stop what they were doing and rethink how to do things and really tap into their creativity to survive. And um, I just started thinking that this was a good time for me to 
build some skills and really get going. Um, and when I was down in South Carolina, um, I learned about the cotton and indigo trade going on down there through the whole, um, you know, up until the Revolutionary War, which of course we're talking from the time that the enslaved were brought to this country in 1619. Um, and the kind of history that is told down in South Carolina and the way that it, it's told, um, I learned a lot about that. And so that's a lot of what got me going when I started thinking about how to develop some experiences around this to really understand our history, to really look at the textile economy. We're living in a time when, you know, the climate crisis is just crazy making. And thank God in, in some ways that this um, pandemic hit the way that it did because every, the whole world stopped. That just never happens. You know, the whole world all at once, everybody just stopped. It was painful. Um, it's been horrible for families who have lost loved ones, for people who have had to uh, work in the essential jobs, for the, um, the multiple pandemics that we are in the midst of with the racial injustice and the civil uh, civil rights issues and all of this is true all of this is right now and so important that we need to really consider this um, that's what this podcast is going to be looking at all of the layers of um, the way that the environment impacts our lives and um, so I'll be looking and talking with architects and sustainability professionals I know some people who are models and, you know, talk about ethical fashion design and fashion and clothing. Um, people who are working in um, the economic areas of our lives. And you really can't do any of this without looking at the policies and the politics of cloth and dye and the policies for trade and, um, you know, that have allowed things to get the way to where we are now. So... Anyway, I think this is a good place for me to stop and I will pick up somewhere in there. There's That's probably a good outline of everything that's bound to be talked about in singular episodes going forward. So thank you so much for taking the time and I hope to have you come back again.